Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. What is going on, everyone? This week's episode, I am coming to you alone by myself. No Jose, no Kyle. Um, there's some things going on, and we're trying to work out schedules and and figure stuff out. So we'll have more information on that when we can actually release it, um, when stuff gets figured out of what's going on. Um, but until then, at least I know we've missed the last two weeks. So I wanted to get at least something out for you for this week. Um, if you've been, you know, paying attention to the the show and subscribed, we put out a new episode of Negative Modifiers this week. Um, my review, my Matt and a matinee review of Spider-Man Homecoming is up. So hopefully you enjoyed that movie. And hopefully you guys remember to check out our other content we have on the page. Um, just a quick reminder, if you're a fan of Negative Modifiers, there will be no episode of Negative Modifiers next week as um, Justin, our DM, and Kristen, who plays Kragnar, and Eric, who plays Shin 2, they're all going to Evo in uh, Vegas, the fighting tournament. So they should have a good time with that, and that should be pretty dope, too. Um, yeah, um, just another reminder. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming. Got out there and see that. Another movie I saw that's really, really good is called The Big Sick. You guys should go check that out. I'm debating whether or not I want to do a matinee review on that. I haven't quite decided yet. Um, I might, so be on the lookout for that. If I decide to do it, I will definitely post it on Facebook or Twitter, um, so that way you're always caught up to what's going on and and what we're doing. Um, so let's go ahead and just get into the show this week. Uh, if any of you are watching Fear the Walking Dead this season, I've been kind of blown away by it, and, and uh, I'm a little excited about how good this new season has been. Uh, we just had the two-hour mid-season finale. You get to see a lot going on in this in this season, and you get to see the character growth, and now we're full-on into the zombie apocalypse, and now we're starting to see uh, Madison kind of take on that Rick Grimes role where she's she's not really worried about other people, and she's like, we're going to just buy our time, and when the moment's right, we're going to take what we want. We're going to do what we want. We're going to fight for things. And that's kind of where she's sort of taking on this female version of Rick Grimes. But in the season finale or mid-season finale, we had a huge bombshell dropped on us that she's not Rick Grimes. And <laughs> she's been kind of doing what she needs to do since she was a little kid. And that she killed her father, who was a drunk. And it was just this whole weird monumenta of of stuff that's taken place and you find out that the owner of the ranch Saran killed the father of the um, Walker, the Indian tribe that they're fighting off against Addison and company steal <laughs> um, Walker's family's heirlooms and his ancestor stuff. And it just, it all kind of ended real, real weird to the point where, Addison tries to convince the owner of the ranch to kill himself as she makes a deal with Walker for peace. Nick walks in and pops the dude in the head and she cuts his head off. Well, she makes it look like a suicide first so that Nick doesn't, you know, the community doesn't come after Nick. And then she kind of cuts his head off and the very end of the episode presents his severed head to Walker, the uh, leader of the Indian group. And it's been very... um it's been very, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, informative. It's been very interesting the way this season has gone and the depiction of, you know, the the Indian group versus the white group and, and how they're handling that conflict and the conflict of, you know, the forefathers of whose land is it really and everything like that. It's interesting to see that playing out in The Walking Dead. So if you're not watching The Walking Dead, or if you're The Walking Dead Season 3, I believe, yeah, Season 3, um, I would definitely say check it out. It's worth a watch. We're at the mid-season finale point, 
So it's going to be a couple months before the show comes back and you get the remainder of the episodes. So I would definitely say if you have the chance to go back and check it out and it's really worth a watch. This season has been really, really good and it's been really, really interesting. And it's nice now that they're past the, the, um, the characters finding out about what's going on and now they know what's going on. So we're, we're in the walking dead territory that you're accustomed to. So I definitely say it's a show that's worth checking out. Another show that's really worth another show that's really worth checking out this year or season is Preacher. If you haven't been watching Preacher on AMC, I think it's only four or five episodes in. It's been really good. It feels like they up the action, they up the violence, they up the choreography, the camera shots are nice. Um, everything about Preacher so far in season two has been a lot of fun. They're on a road trip. They're not stationary in the church in Texas anymore. Um, right now they're in a road trip in Louisiana trying to find God. Um, and Preacher has this cowboy after him that can't seem to die. There's a lot of gunfights in it. It's been really, really action-packed, so it's definitely worth checking out Preacher Season 2 on AMC as well. Um, it's not too late to get into that. Um, but let's go ahead and get into some news for this week. Um, Goosebumps scares up a comic book series at IDW. This fall, IDW Publishing will get downright spooky. The publisher has announced uh, the launch of a new comic book series based on the world of R.L. Stein's Goosebumps, a popular line of children's horror books. The comic book series will be divided into three-issue arcs with original self-contained stories written um, by rotating creative teams. According to the synopsis, the first storyline titled Monsters at Midnight the story will be set in Horrorland, a world of terrifying possibilities originally introduced in the Goosebumps novels. <clears throat> so if you're a fan of the Goosebumps books when you were a kid or even still today, I'm not sure if they still make them, but even still today, like I was a huge Goosebumps books fan as a kid and I'd always get them at the book fair at school or from the, the library at school. Um, some of the ones I liked more were the Choose Your Own Adventure ones when those finally came out, but I did... I still was an original Goosebumps books fan. Um, Attack of the Mutants, Night of the Living Dummy, House on Haunted Hill, um, uh, Monster Blood. Those were some of my favorites. Um, so it'll be cool and interesting to see uh, the how they work this comic book series at IDW and that it's three issue arcs to each story, and each story is going to have each arc is going to have a different creative team and. Uh, I'm sure R.L. Stein is involved in it somewhat, uh, maybe not as much since he's writing Man Thing for Marvel, but maybe he's going to be doing both. Who knows? We'll have to find that out going forward. But I'm intrigued by it. Um, I think it'll be an interesting, an interesting take on <clears throat> the classic genre that is the Goosebumps books that we kind of grew up with. <clears throat> and I guess it's a different way to get a new generation involved and interested in Goosebumps instead of maybe reading... Uh, you know, having your kids or what, or if you're a kid listening to this, your parents reading their old Goosebumps stuff, it's a new way to introduce you to that classic storyline that we had as kids that we all enjoyed growing up. So I'm intrigued by it. I'm interested to see where it goes because most kids are reading comics today instead of regular books. So I think it's a good way, like I said, to reintroduce everyone to the Goosebumps franchise if they don't know what it is or just a refresher for people who've been fans for a long time and just haven't picked up a Goosebumps book recently. But like I said, I'm excited for it. I will definitely check out the first couple issues just to get a feel for it. I might pick up the first three issues, the first arc, um, to see what it's about and continue on after that. But it's something new and fresh to get intrigued by that is coming from IDW, who's who seems to be making a play. Like They're coming out of nowhere and starting to give you some interesting perspective. But they seem to be honing more towards like kids books or old tv shows so like you they're the ones that put out the power ranger comic book right now and now they got goosebumps coming out and they do ninja turtles so you know they're, they're kind of a different genre than what we're used to with marvel dc and image but we'll see and hopefully they got some good stuff coming out uh moving on if you're a fan of the cw arrow you'll be excited to hear that in season six uh diana drake i think that's her name Dinah Drake will finally get her very own Black Canary costume. If you remember last season, in season five, she was the metahuman uh, ex-cop. Well, now she's a cop again for Starling City, but she was the meta, meta, uh, metahuman detective 
um, that had the Black Canary power that when Oliver was going through and recruiting people, he recruited her to join the team, but she never felt that she quite lived up to the mantle of Black Canary or deserved to put the costume on yet. So you never saw her in costume in season five. Um, but it looks like you're going to get that in season six. And another thing that spoils is if you saw season five, the cliffhanger at the end of season five, when they're all on Lian Yu and Oliver saving his son from uh, Prometheus and Lian Yu explodes, she was on the island. So that's also kind of a spoiler to let you know that she very much lives through the explosion at Lian Yu. Uh, this fall, Team Flash may be getting a new addition. According to reports, uh, Ralph Dibney, a.k.a. Uh, the Elongated Man, will join the show just in time for Season 4. But Elongated Man won't be the only new character in Season 4, as in Season 3, The Thinker, will become Team Flash's season-long antagonist and the show's first major non-speedster villain. I think this is great. <coughs> I'm a fan of The Flash. I was not a fan of last season, of Season 3, I felt like it was kind of slow. It was kind of all over the place. It really had no direction. At times, I feel like the villain wasn't threatening, or they just didn't really know what was going on with that storyline. And, I mean, that season gave you Kid Flash, and, you know, Caitlin became Killer Frost, and Cisco really became Vibe, and you get all these different pieces set in place. But I just think that the first three seasons, all being speedsters, it kind of felt like the villains were all rehashed. And it really didn't feel like the show was progressing. I think the fact that it's going to finally have a season-long villain, the thinker, who's not a speedster and just a normal person, I think that's going to do a lot of good for the show to move it forward progressively. I'm really looking forward to the new season of Flash. And hopefully, since we have a non-speedster villain, it's going to actually progress and the story will become fresh and, and good again. Um, but speaking of Flash, uh, the photos which are circulating on Twitter reveal the actor who plays Wally West sporting the red costume that Grant Gustafson's Barry Allen has sported since season two. Uh, while Gustafson's return to Flash is all but inevitable, there's certainly um, there's certainly precedence for Wally West assuming the mantle. After the apparent death of Barry Allen during DC Comics Crisis on Infinite Earths, Wally took up his mentor's place, becoming the many readers considered to be the definitive version of The Flash for nearly 25 years. With the CW iteration of Barry Allen trapped in the Speed Force, it makes perfect sense for Kid Flash to take up his mentor's responsibilities, at least for the time being. Yet The pictures are out there on Twitter. You can find them of the actor who plays Wally West in The Flash outfit. I kind of had a feeling, and if you watch The Flash... You kind of get a feeling that this is going to happen and this is kind of the direction they were going to go in um, because, you know, Barry Allen takes um, Jay Garrick's place. Well, not really Jay Garrick's, but his time remnant's place in the Speed Force because uh, there's a bunch of Speed Force storms and the Speed Force comes for him. So he takes that place in the Speed Force and goes to deal with that, leaving Wally West to kind of be the new Flash and take up his mantle and, I guess you're going to see in the first episode, we'll know more next week when San Diego Comic-Con is going on and all of the information starts coming out at all these panels. But from what I'm guessing or my understanding or my thought process or my educated guess of The Flash and where things are going is that the first, the beginning of the, the new season, you're going to see that Wally has been taking up Barry's mantle for the past couple months and he's on the red suit and he is The Flash. So people think The Flash is still there. And then Team Flash is somehow going to get Grant, or I shouldn't say Grant because it's the actor, going to somehow get Barry Allen out of the Speed Force and have him return to Central City and take up his mental mantle again as the Flash. And hopefully Wally will then proceed to be Kid Flash again. But just like the article said, in, in Crisis of Infinite Earths, we already saw this put out in the comic books. So it was kind of expected when we kind of had this infinite earth or the, the little crisis miniseries or flashpoint miniseries that was last season. Um, it, it, it just kind of pointed that it was going to end up going this direction, I think. And I'm okay with it as long as it's not an entire season like that. And I don't think it's going to be, but uh, I know some people out there who listen to the show don't particularly care for Wally West or the actor that plays him. So it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts and opinions on, on that.
<laughs> um, going forward. But let's go ahead and get moving on here to the next topic. Netflix breakout sci-fi Stranger Things and FX now, uh, and well, I should just say it like this: um, Netflix breakout sci-fi Stranger Things and Fargo on FX are among the nominees for the 96th annual Primetime Emmy Awards announced this morning in Hollywood, California. So that's interesting. Congratulations to the cast in Netflix on uh, being nominated for an Emmy for Stranger Things. According to reports, Batman director Matt Reeves won't use Ben Affleck's script. The Batman director Matt Reeves has confirmed that the film will start from scratch as well as he will not use star Ben Affleck's original script for the future. Stating, no, it's a new story. It's just starting again. It's exciting. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really cool he shared. Interesting that they're not going with the Ben Affleck script because Jeff Johns helped write that. And I know Ben Affleck really wanted to get it right. But that's kind of why he stepped down from the director role is he felt that it was too hard and it was too challenging for him to be a writer, director, and the star of the film. He was kind of wearing too many hats and... He didn't want to do that, so that's why he stepped down from directing, and they got another director. Um, I know Matt Reeves' idea is to go more of a noir story, so it's going to focus a lot more on Batman's detective skills than it is his everyday crime-fighting antics that you got in like the Christopher Nolan trilogy or Batman Superman or even the Justice League that's coming out. I know that's... Um, so I'm excited for that. I think it's an interesting take on the character. It'll be it'll be something fresh that'll reinvigorate the character or re-energize the character because we never had a movie that focused more on his detective skills and things of that nature than we did the typical pseudo Batman movie where you know he's fighting crime or starting to trying to stop all these bad guys from destroying Gotham City. So I'm sure you'll still get that in this film, but it'll be interesting and I think at least in my opinion that they're going to focus more on his detective skills and their than his actual like crime fighting um martial arts background. So he's going to be focused more on you're going to get more of the um Sherlock Holmes detective side of him than you are the Bruce Lee ass kicker. So I'm kind of excited about that and if they have to go back and redo the script and from the beginning to to get it right, I'm all for that. But that just seems to be a running theme with these DC movies. We know we had, you know, you had um, uh, Joss Whedon take over directing Justice League, and now they're doing extensive reshoots, and that's been going through that. Flash has had problems finding a director. Um, that's kind of been all over the place. And now you got this where they're scrapping the script. I think this is the third time they scrapped the script in this Batman movie. Um, I can't remember, though. But if, if it's what they got to do, it's what they got to do to give you a good Batman movie. Because DC had a huge hit with Wonder Woman. So now they have to build off that. And it's going to look bad on them if they regress instead of progress. So and I, I'm okay for them re, rewriting and doing what they need to do to actually get this correct. Um, Stephen Amell wants a light-hearted Oliver Queen for season six of Arrow. The news uh, the news comes out of a panel from Nashville-based Hero and Villains uh, Fan Fest, where Amell took to the stage and said he wanted to see Oliver make a turn towards a more light-hearted, comic-accurate iteration. Amell was quick to point out that the Oliver of the comic book fame is quite different than the CW version. Obviously, the Oliver Queen that a lot of people know from the comics is if they are familiar with the character before they were familiar with my iteration of the character is a lot more, I guess, idealistic, Emil said, politically driven and, and a little bit funny. He smiled. Um, I'm excited for that. If that's the way they want to go with Arrow, I'm all for that. That was kind of my, my problem with Arrow in the first couple seasons was that it was too Batman-y. It was, he's fighting all these Batman villains, so he's Batman, but it's Green Arrow. So it's, more of like, what if Green Arrow was Batman? And that was kind of my my issue with Arrow in the first couple of seasons. I've only really started enjoying Arrow since season four. So before that, I just I just couldn't get over the the whole vigilante or not vigilante, but whole Batman Green Arrow mixture they were going with in the CW, and it was just kind of hard to 
to swallow, but I think you eventually get past that. Now, I'm sure it's a lot less hard to swallow if you were never a Green Arrow fan. If you've never read anything Green Arrow in your life, then you were cool with Stephen Amell's version of it. I know a lot of people like Kristen and Justin and even Brent, who has been on the show, they love Arrow. They've loved Arrow since season one. They love that inter- that iteration, and Brent's a huge Green Arrow fan. Green Arrow year one is his like definitive Green Arrow story. So he's he likes the character, and he likes Stephen Amell's portrayal of it, but I'm, I'm more used to the, the light-hearted, wise-cracking Oliver Queen. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character going forward and if that actually happens or if he stays the brooding Oliver Queen that we've all become used to in Arrow. Um, Amazon releases a trailer for the full, first full season of The Tick. Um, the trailer dropped earlier this week, and actor-comedian Peter Serafinowicz once again reprises his role from the pilot as the blue superhero, The Tick. Its first season will debut in two parts on Amazon Prime beginning August 25th. If you haven't checked out the the um, pilot for The Tick, it's on Amazon Prime right now. I'm Amazon Video, if you have Prime, you can log in and watch it. I would definitely say check it out. It's a lot darker than the cartoon you're used to. Um, it's a different take on the Tick character. I, it's a different take on Arthur. Um, I was really intrigued by it, and I can't wait for the series to start up. So I would definitely say you have until August 25th to check out the pilot to see, decide if that's something that you're going to want to continue watching or if it's something that you're not going to want to watch at all and just bail on. Um, the Walking Dead halts production on Season 8. After a nasty accident on set, The Walking Dead is hitting the pause button on Season 8. Following the injury of a stuntman during filming, AMC has decided to temporarily suspend production while the cast member is being treated. On Wednesday, stuntman on the popular AMC series was seriously injured in a non-onset fall. Um, John Bernecker fell more than 20 feet onto concrete floor while working in Georgia. And he was immediately rushed to Atlanta Medical Center after being treated for serious brain injuries. Bernecker was put into intensive care unit. So, <clears throat> because the stuntman got hurt, they have halted the the taping or production on season eight. I think what you're gonna get is we are a week away now from San Diego Comic Con. So I think what we're gonna we're gonna see San Diego Comic Con is next weekend, I believe. So I think what you're going to see is they're going to halt production and most of the cast and crew, or the cast anyway, are going to be at San Diego Comic-Con doing their normal Hall H panel and their signings and everything like that. So I think you're going to see them come back after San Diego Comic-Con and start up season eight again. I think you'll only see it on hiatus for, for that amount of time. It sounds like, you know, best wishes to this this crew member, the stuntman who fell and his family. We wish him a speedy recovery, but it sounds like he's going to have a lot of recovery, and I don't see AMC halting the show for the entire time he recovers. So I think they're going to push forward with the show, but out of respect for him, they're going to put it on hiatus for a little bit. And I only see that hiatus being till after San Diego Comic-Con where their crew kind of is done with their obligations and they get back into rolling into the recording sessions and back into the, the swing of things. So. I w- in my personal opinion, I would say look at that the startup back about right after San Diego Comic-Con. You might remember the popular Where's Ray campaign from last year regarding Hasbro's Star Wars Monopoly. Unfortunately, many are still waiting on Hasbro to deliver their promise. Speaking to the Associated Press, Hasbro revealed their reasoning for why this promise has yet to be completed and kept. In early 2016, Hasbro updated the 2015 Star Wars Monopoly game to add Ray to a Ray token. This product was sold to retailers in several markets around the world, but is not available for sale in the United States due to insufficient interest. The completely, um, that completely kept part is important here as the figure was created and shipped out to five markets. They offered the new version of the game to retailers in the United States, but since they already had a significant inventory, they chose to pass. Fans can get their hands on the Ray figure, though, but they'll have to jump through some hoops or two to do so. They have to call the company and request it, most likely showing some proof of purchase. So there was that giant uproar, if you remember, about the Ray figure and how people wanted this powerful female you know, icon. 
to be now that we're getting movies with female leads and they're doing well and we're kind of progressively changing the times here where women can you know that that bravado that idealisticness or ideal that women can't be role models or women can't carry uh, movies is going out the window which i think is great it should have went out it should have went out a long time ago because women can do anything men can do and they can progress and carry movies just as easily as a male lead can so people wanted this ray figure in the box in monopoly and they weren't doing a lot of ray figures and they weren't putting her in because i don't think i think it had something to do with if i remember correctly um lucas films and disney were trying to keep under wrap who she really was and and her character and they weren't trying to give anything away and all this stuff was being merchandised and produced before the movie even came out so you never she was never included in all this and then ray merchandise slowly started to come out over time so if you got that monopoly game you can still get the ray piece you just have to call them and show some kind of purchase and request a piece and i believe they'll send it to you but if you're looking to buy a new physical set with it in it it's not going to happen because a lot of retailers still have um, inventory on shelves that isn't selling because, I mean, honestly, you have a monopoly for everything. Like, why? I guess the hardcore the hardcore Star Wars fan is going to get this monopoly set, but, I mean, they have a monopoly for Ninja Turtles, The Walking Dead, Jay and Silent Bob. Like, they have monopoly for everything. So it's, it's really kind of just like if monopoly is something you enjoy playing and you're a huge Star Wars fan, then you're going to want to get it. But if it... If you rarely play board games, it's just not going to be something you're interested in. So it's it's expected, and it's no shock that retailers are having a hard time selling this stuff and, and moving it, so they passed on a new updated version with this figure. But, hey, I mean, if you bought this set and you really want that Ray figure, go ahead and contact Hasbro, and I'm sure they'll, they'll tell you how to get it, or you could probably even check it out on their website how to obtain that piece. Um... Lion King news here. <clears throat> John Oliver has been cast to voice Zazu in John Favreau's remake of The Lion King. Uh, last week tonight's host, John Oliver, has joined the cast of Disney's upcoming The Lion King live-action remake set to be helmed by John Favreau. Uh, Oliver will play Zazu, the fastened red-billed horn bill first introduced in the 1994 animated Lion King film. Zazu served as the primary advisor for the film Central Lion Pride and was voiced by Rowan Atkinson in the original. The remake film will see Donald Glover and James Earl Jones take on the roles of Simba and Mufasa this time around, while Billy uh, Etchner and Seth Rogen will play the comedic duo of Timon and the Meerkat and Pumbaa the Warthog. I'm excited by that. I really like John Oliver. I like Last Week Tonight. I think he's funny. Um, I think he'll do a good job as Zazu. I really like the casting of Donald Glover as Simba. Um, and, of course, you know, James Earl Jones voiced Mufasa in the original uh, Disney movie. So it's interesting. that it, It's good to see him coming back. And I think Donald Glover is an interesting cast for Simba, but I think he'll do a good job. It'll be just be interesting to see who they cast as young Simba. Um because I'm sure Donald Glover is just playing older Simba. I like the casting for Timon and Pumbaa. I think that that's phenomenal. And like I said, I really like um, John Oliver Zazu. I'm now interested to see who they're going to get to play Scar and who they're going to get to play um, Nala and if they're going to get Whoopi Goldberg to be able to reprise her role as one of the hyenas. So it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. And uh, The Lion King is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. So I'm really interested in this casting, and I'm really interested in this live-action version. And if you've ever seen the live-action version of The Jungle Book, John, Far- John Favreau does an amazing job there, so I'm, I can only imagine he's going to do a fantastic job with The Lion King. Uh, I have no worries or no... Um, yeah, I have no worries about that film, really, honestly. It, <laughs> I know he's going to do a great job with it. So, And I like the casting so far, so... You know, all all things are green light <laughs> when it comes to the live-action Lion King right now. And finally, my last news story this week is Stranger Things Season 2 unveiled new teaser and release date. Netflix is returning to Hawkins, Indiana a little sooner than expected. The streaming service has unveiled a downright new lucrative poster and 25-second uh, teaser for the second season of Stranger Things that in it 
that in addition to offering another chilling glimpse uh, of the enormous monster, it announces a new release date. Remember, the original release date for this season was supposed to be October 31st. Well, they have since pushed that up, and now it'll come out on October 27th. So there you go. You have something to look forward to in Stranger Things Season 2 coming out a few days earlier on October 27th instead of October 31st. Um, I guess they are counting on people maybe streaming um, and binge-watching all of Season 2 to get them good numbers up to push a Season 3. So they push it up a little bit earlier instead of having it come out on the 31st. But I'm not sure what day of the week the 31st is on. Because normally, the so the 31st is a Tuesday. So, yeah, normally Netflix has everything come out on Fridays. All their new stuff comes out on a Friday. So it makes sense that they push it up to the 27th because the 27th is the Friday. So it's just a few days ahead of, of the original release date. So not nothing too crazy there, but it is still, you're going to get it a few days earlier. So that's something to look forward to. Also, if you're a video game fan, the Destiny beta goes live for PlayStation 4 on the 18th. And then I believe it comes out on the Xbox One and P uh, and the Xbox One a few days later. Um, I think the PC one was delayed. Let me double check on that because I know we have some Destiny fans here. Um, I know I'm super excited for the Destiny Two beta, so I'm gonna be playing that next week a lot. Um, let me see if I can get the the dates here. As far as the beta goes for you people who are not on PlayStation like I am. Um you can preload the the you can preload the beta now, but it will not go live until the eighteenth if you're a PlayStation four um user. Uh let's see here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Sorry, I'm just trying to find the beta dates here, so it'll be just a minute here. Um, do, 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 do. Do, do, do. Okay, so PlayStation 4 Early Access begins on Tuesday the 18th. Xbox One pre-order Early Access starts uh, the day after on the 19th. Everyone else can join in the fun on July 21st, so it'll be open beta as of the 21st if you haven't pre-ordered it. Um, before it comes to a close on July 23rd, um, and no, no announcement on the, um, the PC beta yet. So hopefully PC will get a beta before the game comes out in September, but who knows at this point, I know the PC version has been delayed for a few more months. Uh, and I don't think that one comes out in September, but but yeah, so if you're looking forward to, to Destiny, hopefully you get a chance to check out that beta this week. I know, or next week, I know I'll be on it. So I'm super stoked for that. Um, I only have a few comics to review this week. Um, I got my comics late, and I haven't had a chance to read all of them. Like, I know I really want to read Dark Days of Casting for Batman, but I haven't gotten to that one yet. So I'm just going to go ahead and skim over a couple books I got this week that uh, I thought were really interesting so far. Um... Spider-Man 2, it is the continuation of the Spider-Man storyline that we got a couple years ago from Brian Michael Bendis and Amanda Pacelli, um, where Peter was thrown into Miles Morales' ultimate dimension by Mysterio, and they ran into each other, and basically Miles helped Peter get back to his timeline, and when he got back to his timeline, he wanted to know what his timeline who his timeline's miles morales was and there was a shocking reveal and it left on a huge cliffhanger that um there's something up and something not right with the earth 616 version of miles morales so fast forward to spider-man 2 as you know thanks to the events that took place now miles is in 616 he's in spider-man's universe so this kind of picks up with that this issue opens up with uh peter and miles they're they're upside down tied up and um they're at an airport and everything's kind of destroyed and they're yelling at each other and peter is telling miles that if he has any hidden powers spider powers that he needs to get out there and do something now 
And Miles is like, well, I have my, um, he's like, I have my Mega Venom Blast, but I don't want to hurt you. And Peter's like, just do it. Miles like, but Peter, I don't want, he's like, just do it. So Miles does his Venom Blast, exploding the ropes and knocking everyone down. And he starts chasing this plane and he's trying to catch up to it. And you see a shrouded, uh, masked hooded figure on the plane. And Miles tries to web sling onto it, but he's too late. He can't get to it. And he, he kind of apologizes, and Peter says, this is my fault. This is my fault for letting you become Spider-Man, knowing who you really are. So he's talking about his his times, Miles Morales. And then it cuts to Miles in school, and Peter is fighting the armadillo. And he's kind of talking to himself about how stupid that name is and how he's kind of embarrassed to be fighting someone named the armadillo. Then this giant purple vortex shows up under the sky, and he start, takes off to go check out and see what it is. And then it cuts to Miles at school with Genki, and he's checking out this new girl in school, and he wants to know who she is, and he's never noticed her before. So Genki calls her over, and they're they're all talking when this metal, this giant robotic piece just falls into the, the um, front lawn of their school. And Miles looks up to see the vortex, so he takes off to head towards it as well. And him and Peter run into each other midway through there, and Peter's kind of asking him, he's like, do you remember this place? And they end up at a, an old abandoned warehouse, and... He's like, do you remember this place? And, and Miles is like, yeah, this is where uh, Mysterio hid the dimension device that brought you back to my timeline. And now I'm in your timeline. He's like, it's kind of weird, huh? And he's like, everything's been cleared out of here. And I thought S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to take care of this. And and why is this activated? And, and Spider-Man kind of wonders if Miles had something to do with it. And he's like, no, I have nothing to do with it. And then someone uh, starts coming through the portal. And it's revealed that it's Taskmaster, and he's been sent there to kill both Miles and Peter. And then it comes to um, the other Miles Morales, someone outside Bloomfield Hills walking his dog at a huge mansion. And he walks in, and, and Miles is like, now what? And this woman says, there's trouble in New York. He's like, already? He's like, the Taskmaster situation. And Miles is like, already? And she's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Morales. You told me to tell you, and it shows his face, and it's all cut up, and he says, I promised myself so many years ago, but damn it, looks like I'm heading back to New York. So we're going to get to see, and that's where it ends. So we're going to get to see who Miles Morales, this Miles Morales is, and who the Earth 616 Miles Morales really is, who the one that Peter Google searched really is. I thought this was a good kickoff for the very first issue of this this series, um, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. I can't wait to continue reading it. If it's, I mean, it's Brian Michael Bendis, so it's going to be good. And if it's anything like the previous Spider-Man or Spider-Men run um, or arc, I'm excited to see where it goes. <clears throat> That's Spider-Man. One else. Move on to Flash 26, Running Scared. Uh, Flash 26 picks up where the last Flash landed off as, you know, Kyle would say they normally do. Um, it opens up with an older Flash in the Flash Museum in the near future, and he's standing there with Iris, and she's got a cloak on, and they're kind of just walking through this Flash Museum, and you see an older Flash. He's got a beard. He almost kind of looks like Aquaman. He's kind of like wearing this green and, and almost orange, I guess you could call it red, but it's almost orange suit. He kind of looks like Aquaman. Um standing there at the Flash Museum talking to Iris and they walk outside and everything is just destroyed and flying around and Flash is like well I guess it's time to go to work and she's like do what you do best Barry run and old man Barry Allen takes off and he heads up to this building and you come to find his children uh, Don and Don which that's original Don and Don are um, evil Flashes and they're upset because the Flash was never around, never nurtured them, was never the father figure. He was always running out, saving the day, and was never around for birthdays or first steps or first words or anything, any kind of, like, first for the kids. So they they really resented him for that. And a battle ensues, and then it kind of shows a silhouette of Barry Allen and then Reverse Flash, Earbard Thon, and Iris staying there watching what's going on. And Eobard starts explaining to him that, you know, this is the product of of the Flash. This is why the Flash is actually your ultimate villain. I'm not your greatest foe. The Flash is 
because this is a product of what happens when you tell lies and you're never around and you're always gone and you're absentee father. You hurt everyone around you. So the Flash is actually your biggest enemy, Barry Allen, not me. And Iris kind of gets upset and she realizes that she was lied to by Barry. And she's like, you lied to me. And you lied to me all this time. You never told me about being the Flash. And Eobar Thawne re- reveals that this isn't the first time this has happened. And every single timeline he goes to, Barry never tells Iris who he is. She just figures it out. So she gets kind of upset about that and tells him to take a hike. And he, he the Flash feels bad about it. And Eobard's like, listen, I can do away with it. I can fix your mistakes, but you have to come with me. And Barry's like, all right, I'll go with you. <clears throat> and Eobard's like, finally, and grabs Barry and um, runs him off. And he's like, where are you taking me? Like another timeline? And Reverse Flash says, no, Barry, I'm taking you to a place of my own creation, a world you'll never escape. So he's like the negative speed force. So he takes him and throws him in the negative speed force and locks him in there. And as he's in the negative speed force, he's kind of going through his reliving all of his past memories with what happened when his parents were dead or killed and, um, you know, things that happened in school and him becoming a, a CI and the death of his um, his girlfriend wasting away and then his betrayal of Wally West and his betrayal of Iris and kind of what happened to Godspeed and all that. And Iris is still left in the, the future timeline in the, in the museum and she finds the black hole gun and she kind of takes it and then she sees uh, a wing called the life of Iris West. And she's like, should I, should I go into it? Go figure out my, find out what my future holds. And Eobard comes back. He's like, take a look. See uh, see the life you'll never have. And she starts running. And he's like, this again? Can't we just talk like adults, Iris? And Iris ends up grabbing the black hole portal gun and shooting him with it. And kind of stopping him. And then um, you see him go flying backwards. And then out of a panel, you see Iris say, Barry. And you see a shadow on the ground. And Thawne says, impossible, how? He's like, Flash, you're beautiful. And it r- reveals to the next Flash, or next page, that you almost get like an evil Flash. It's the normal-looking Flash, but he's got a black aura around him. He kind of looks like um, negative Flash almost, but he's in, in the red costume with that black aura. He's like, I'm going to kill you, Thawne. And that's where it ended. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see where the storyline goes. I'm very, uh, it's very intriguing. I like the idea of a more of a darker Barry Allen. I'm still not keen on the fact that they brought Earbard Thawne back to life again for the third time. So yet again, negative flash or reverse flashes back. So I'm kind of just, I thought for sure that when Iris blasts him with the black hole gun that he was going to get vaporized and, um, for the third time, but that's not what happened. So we'll see what happens going forward. I would give flash a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, it was interesting, but I just feel like it's kind of slowing down. This book is kind of slowing down, and especially with the last three arcs all being reverse Flash focused. Um, ever since the button started, everything from the Flash has been reverse Flash focused, and I'm just kind of kind of sick of it and ready for them to move on. So I'm just waiting for the story arc to to conclude. But I think this issue for me, I'm going to give a 7.5 out of 10 actually. Um, all of the DC books this month or this week have a, uh, ode or a, um, nod to Adam West in them. They show him in the back in the Batman outfit with a quote that says, I never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up. People knew I was Batman. Thanks for being our first real hero. Old chum from your pals at DC comics. So that's a nice touching tribute to Adam West in the back of the DC comics books. They're on newsstands this week. Um, old man, Logan, Number 26. Uh, I'm still kind of on the fence about Old Man Logan now when it's got the new creative team. Like, I like the art style, but I don't know why they're bringing the Hulks back into it. But I guess you're kind of, it was kind of inevitable with who Old Man Logan is. Um, In this issue, it picks up where Logan's hot on the trail of the Hulks after they left the compound they were at before. They find this new military installation um, and they take it over, pretty much killing everybody in there. And then the leader of the Hulks, um, what's his name? I always forget his name. But Wolverine is hot on their trail, and he's trying to find him. 
and then the leader of the Hulks. Um, what was his name? I can never remember his name. Um, sorry about this. I I was Mestro. Mestro is his name. So Mestro comes out and he tells. Um, he comes up with this plan. Uh, with another Hulk by the name of Buck to <clears throat> cut off Wolverine. He knows Wolverine's on their trail, and they have all this weaponry now since they took over this military installation. And he he tells Buck to take Billy Bob with him and to go mow down um, Wolverine to not stop shooting until there's nothing left. And that's what they do. They Wolverine is rolling up into him on his bike, and he stops, and then you see it, uh, the bike explode. And Wolverine's getting up off the ground. And then he gets run over by this Humvee with this big-ass gun on it. This And uh turret gun, I would say. And they start mowing him down with that turret gun. And Billy Bob gets down to go look at the, the carnage. It's, there's really nothing left of Wolverine. And he's going to go put a bullet in his head to end it. And Wolverine starts moving. And um, Billy Bob goes to pull the trigger. And the gun is empty. And... Uh, then it, it cuts back to Buck. He's like, sorry, Billy Bob. Uh, and they mow down Billy Bob, too. And he's laying there with Wolverine, left laying there with Wolverine. He's like, but you ain't welcome at our new paradise. So because Billy Bob's a fuck-up, he got mowed down with Wolverine and double-crossed. So I think I gave this issue a 6-5 because I think it's predictable. I think you're going to see both Billy Bob and Wolverine live, and they're going to team up to go overthrow the Hulk compound and get rid of all the rest of the Hulks that are in there. I think that's pretty predictable. That's that's kind of why I'm going the route of a 6-5, I think, with that. And then the last book I have for this week, um, I have more, but I haven't read Detective yet, or Titans, or, um, like I said, casting out. I wanted to get these this out for you since it's been two weeks since we haven't had an episode. I want to go to Violent Love, issue six. Um, it kind of it's a it kind of throws back to when the main character uh, is a, a little girl again, and her dad kind of yelling at her, and everything that's going on, and then. Um, uh, see, I don't think that's her dad. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's not her dad. <laughs> uh, you get you see this little kid getting beat up. It starts in Wisconsin, 1951, and you see this little kid. His face is all beat up, and then his dad shows up and starts hitting him again and yelling at his mom. And then he grabs a hammer, and you see him his silhouette as he smashes his dead hat, his dad's head in, and you see tears roll down his face as. There's blood all over the hammer, and you see hear someone screaming, Mr. Newman, and it cuts to Texas 1987, and this woman is in this, uh, the dude's office, and she's like, are you all right, Mr. Newman? She's like, I need your signature on this document. She's like, uh, He's like, yes, I'm fine to leave them. And he starts drinking, and he's got the hammer in his desk, and he looks down at it and kind of smiles, then it cuts to Texas 1972, and you see... Um, you get, uh, I think his name is Rock. You get Rock and the main character, Daisy, are at a diner eating. And Daisy's eating a cheeseburger. And Rock's going, shouldn't you be eating a salad or something? Instead of that big-ass burger. Um, and she's like, and she's like, why? She's like, I'm not, why, are you a vegetarian? And Rock's like, no, I'm not a vegetarian. Um, she's, like, she's like, now I know why you're so angry all the time. You're some kind of hippie, Rock. He's like, I ain't no hippie. And they're kind of going back and forth. She's like, just take a bite. You don't know what you're missing. And she's trying to get him to eat this burger and stuff. And um, he's talking to her. He's like, this isn't a game. You need to tell me what you're doing about the bank now. He's like, you and me, we've seen some serious shit the last few months. I agreed to help you see things through with Johnny Nails. Um, but you've been awfully cagey about your plans. Uh, we're wanted felons. And L.A. Fordraka can't be that far behind. Or, sorry, Lajerica. I fucked, I fucked that up terribly. Uh, we're one in Philadelphia and Lajerica can't be far behind. The clock is ticking. She's like, yeah, 
when you put it like that, and she reaches in her pocket and pulls out a gun and puts it on the table, she's like, put that away. We're in a public place. And she's like, what, afraid someone's going to arrest me? Uh, let them try. And it, she kind of walks out of the bank, and <clears throat> or she kind of walks out of the restaurant, and then they go to rob this bank. So then the process of robbing the bank, and it turns out that the bank is uh, protected by the Nails gang, and she's and this guy with this pump action shotgun shows up, and he's like, "Get on the floor!" And she's like, um, "You know," she basically robs him. He's like, "Don't touch that fucking, don't touch a fucking cent. That's Johnny Nails' money." And she's like, "Do you think old Johnny will mind if I borrow some of these?" And Rock is like, "You should take it from me, pal." That girl, she's not one to uh, she's not one to do what she's told, and basically, she holds this dude. Up. She ends up killing this or shooting this dude, and she says, uh, "You tell Johnny that Daisy Jane is coming for him, and she's gonna bleed him of every fucking cent he's got out." And then it goes to the epilogue and shows 1987 where she's standing in front of Rock's grave. So you're gonna find out that something happened where Rock dies coming up here soon, and she says. Hey, been a while. I haven't forgotten you. You you always were a bastard. I'm only here so I can pay, put an end to this once and for all. Rockin', rotten hell, Rock, but don't worry. You'll be getting some company soon. So something happens where Rock dies going forward, um, and she's going to go finish her, her vendetta against Johnny Nails. So we'll have to see what happens in volume in the next issue uh, in episode or issue six. I gave this issue a uh, 7.5. It wasn't really that in-depth of an issue. It wasn't that great of an issue. It kind of just moved the plot along a little bit more. Um, not a lot happened in it. You saw that she was still after the Nails gang, and you just kind of saw that she was kind of playing everything by ear, and she really had no set plan, and she went into this bank and knew who was protecting it and she pretty much shot the dude in charge of it to send a message to Johnny Nails that she's coming so we'll have to wait and see what happens from here but that's it that's it that's it we're done that's this week's episode hopefully you guys enjoyed it um if not let me know if you did let me know um like I said some things are going on so Hopefully we'll get back to a normal schedule and normal casting in the weeks to come. We might end up having to change the dates we put things out. Or I shouldn't say dates, but days we put things out. Things are kind of just up in the air right now. But there are some constants you can look forward to. Negative modifiers isn't going anywhere. Um, so that's still going to be around. You're still going to get your other shows as well. Uh, we have some new shows in the works as well. So that's some stuff to look forward to. But... Um, sorry, it's kind of a shorter episode this week, but I just wanted to get you guys something out um, because we haven't done a show in the last two weeks. So, you know, we gotta gotta keep current and consistent, I guess. But uh, for the Absolute Geek Podcast, I am Matt saying, remember to support your local comic shop, and we'll see you next time.